Continuing in A Treatise of the Fear of God by John Bunyan. Page 35, first column. Fifth. There flows from this godly fear of God self-denial, that is, a holy abstaining from those things that are either unlawful or inexpedient, according to that of Nehemiah. The former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people, that had taken of them bread and wine, beside forty shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, but so did not I, because of the fear of God. Nehemiah 5, verse 15. Here was not self-denial. He would not do as they did that went before him, neither himself, nor should his servants. But what was it that put him upon these acts of self-denial? The answer is the fear of God. But so did not I because of the fear of God. Now whether by the fear of God in this place be meant his word, or the grace of fear in his heart, may perhaps be a scruple to some, but in my judgment, the text must have respect to the latter, to wit, to the grace of fear. For without that being indeed in the heart, the word will not produce that good self-denial in us, that here you find this good man to live in the daily exercise of. The fear of God, therefore, that was the cause of his self-denial, was this grace of fear in his heart. This made him to be, as was said before, tender of the honor of God and of the salvation of his brother, yea, so tender that rather than he would give an occasion to the weak to stumble or be offended, he would even deny himself of that which others never sticked to do. Paul also, through the sanctifying operations of the fear of God in his heart, did deny himself even of lawful things for the profit and commodity of his brother. I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. That is, if his eating of it would make his brother to offend. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 13. Men that have not the fear of God in them will not, cannot deny themselves of love to God and the good of the weak, who are subject to stumble at indifferent things. But where this grace of fear is, there follows self-denial. There are men are tender of offending, and count that it far better becomes their profession to be of a self-denying, condescending conversation and temper than to stand sturdily to their own liberty and things inexpedient, whoever is offended thereat. This grace of fear, therefore, is a very excellent thing, because it yieldeth such excellent fruit as this. For this self-denial, of how little esteem soever it be with some, yet the want of it, if the words of Christ be true, as they are, takes quite away from even a professor the very name of a disciple. Matthew 10, verses 37 and 38. Luke 14, verses 26, 27, and 33. They, says Nehemiah, lorded it over the brethren, but so not did I. They took bread and wine and forty shekels of silver of them, but so did not I. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, but so did not I, because of the fear of God. Sixth, there flows from this godly fear of God singleness of heart, Colossians 3, verse 22. Singleness of heart both to God and man. Singleness of heart, that is it, which in another place is called sincerity and godly simplicity. 
and it is this, when a man doeth a thing simply for the sake of him or of the law that commands it, without respect to this by end, or that desire of praise or of vainglory from others, I say, when our obedience to God is done by us simply or alone for God's sake, for his word's sake, without any regard to this or that by end or reserve, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. A man is more subject to nothing than to swerve from singleness of heart in his service to God and obedience to his will. How doth the Lord charge the children of Israel and all their obedience, and that for seventy years all or seventy years together, with the want of singleness of heart towards him? When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years did ye at all fast unto me, even to me. And when ye did eat, and when ye did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Zechariah 7, verses 5 and 6. They wanted the singleness of heart in their fasting, and in their eating, in their mourning, and in their drinking. They had double hearts in what they did. They did not as the apostle bids, whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And the reason of their want of this thing was, they wanted this fear of God. For that, as the apostle here saith, affecteth singleness of heart to God, and makes a man, as John said of Gaius, do faithfully whatsoever he doeth. 3 John 5 And the reason is, as hath already been urged, for that grace of fear of God retaineth and keepeth upon the heart a reverent and awful sense of the dread majesty and all-seeing eye of God, also a due consideration of the day of account before him. It likewise maketh his service sweet and pleasing, and fortifies the soul against all discouragements. By this means, I say, the soul, in its service to God or man, is not so soon captivated as where there is not this fear, but through and by its service is accepted, being single, sincere, simple, and faithful. When others, with what they do, are cast into hell for their hypocrisy, for they mix not what they do with godly fear. Singleness of heart in the service of God is of such absolute necessity that without it, as I have hinted, nothing can be accepted. Because where that is wanting, there wanteth love to God, and to that which is true holiness indeed. It was this singleness of heart that made Nathanael so honorable in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Behold, said he, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. John 1 verse 47. And it was the want of it that made him so much abhor the Pharisees. They wanted sincerity, simplicity, and godly sincerity in their souls, and so became an abhorrence in his esteem. Now I say, this golden grace, singleness of heart, it flows from this godly fear of God. Seventh, there flows from this godly fear of God, compassion and bowels to those of the saints that are in necessity and distress. This is manifest in good Obadiah. It is said of him, that he took an hundred of the Lord's prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water in the days when Jezebel, that tyrant, sought their lives to destroy them. 1 Kings 18, verses 3 and 4. 
But what was it that moved so upon his heart as to cause him to do this thing? Why, it was this blessed grace of the fear of God. Now Obadiah, saith the text, feared the Lord greatly. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. This was charity to the distressed, even to the distressed for the Lord's sake. Had not Obadiah served the Lord, yea, had he not greatly feared him, he would not have been able to do this thing, especially as the case then stood with him, and also with the church at that time. For then Jezebel sought to slay all that indeed feared the Lord. Yea, and the persecution prevailed so much at that time that even Elijah himself thought that she had killed all but him. But now, even now, the fear of God in this good man's heart put forth itself into acts of mercy, though attended with so imminent danger. See here, therefore, that the fear of God will put forth itself in the heart where God hath put it, even to show kindness and to have compassion upon the distressed servants of God, even under Jezebel's nose, for Obadiah dwelt in Ahab's house, and Jezebel was Ahab's wife, and a horrible persecutor, as was said before. Yet Obadiah will show mercy to the poor because he feared God. Yea, he will venture her displeasure, his place, and neck, and all. But he will be merciful to his brethren in distress. Cornelius, also being a man possessed with the fear of God, became a very free-hearted and open-handed man to the poor. He feared God and gave much alms to the people. Indeed, this fear, this godly fear of God, it is a universal grace. It will stir up the soul unto all good duties. It is a fruitful grace from wit, or from it, where it is, floweth abundance of excellent virtues. Nor without it can there be anything good, or done well that is done. But, eighth, there flows from the fear of God hearty, fervent, and constant prayer. This also is seen in Cornelius, that devout man. He feared God. And what then? Why, he gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. Acts 10 Verses 1 and 2. Did I say that hearty, fervent, and constant prayer flowed from the Spirit of God? I will add that if the whole duty and the continuation of it be not managed with the Spirit of God, it profiteth nothing at all. It is said of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, He was heard in that he feared. He prayed then because he feared, because he feared God, and therefore was his prayer accepted of him, even because he feared. He that were, or he was heard in that he feared. Hebrews 5 or 7. This godly fear is so essential to right prayer, and right prayer is such an inseparable effect and fruit of this fear that you must have both or none. He that prayeth not feareth not God. Yea, he that prayeth not fervently and frequently feareth him not. And so he that feareth him not cannot pray. For if prayer be the effect of this fear of God, then without this fear, prayer, fervent prayer, ceaseth. How can they pray or make conscience of the duty that fear not God? O prayerless man, 
Thou fearest not God. Thou wouldest not live so like a swine or a dog in the world as thou dost, if thou fearest the Lord. Ninth, there floweth from the Spirit of God a readiness or willingness at God's call to give up our best enjoyments to his disposal. This is evident in Abraham, who at God's call, without delay, rose early in the morning to offer up his only and well-beloved Isaac, a burnt offering, in the place where God should appoint him. It was a rare thing that Abraham did, and had he not had this rare grace, this fear of God, he would not, he could not have done to God's liking so wonderful a thing. It is true, the Holy Ghost also makes this service of Abraham to be the fruit of his faith. By faith Abraham offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Hebrews 11, James 2. I, and without doubt, love unto God in Abraham was not wanting in this his service, nor was this grace of fear, nay, in the story where it is recorded. There it is chiefly accounted for the fruit of his godly fear, and that by an angel from heaven. And the angel called out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Genesis 22, verses 11 and 12. Now I know it. Now, now thou hast offered up thine only Isaac, thine all at the bidding of thy God. Now I know it. The fear of God is not presently discerned in the heart and life of a man. Abraham had long before this done many a holy duty and showed much willingness of heart to observe and do the will of God. Yet you find not, as I remember, that he had this testimony from heaven that he feared God till now. But now he has it. Now he has it from heaven. Now I know that thou fearest God. Many duties may be done, though I do not say that Abraham did them, without the fear of God. But when a man shall not stick at or withhold his darling from God, when called upon by God to offer it up unto him, that declareth, yea, and gives conviction to angels, that he now feareth God. Tenth. There floweth from this godly fear humility of mind. This is evident because when the apostle cautions the Romans against the venom of spiritual pride, he directs them to, to the exercise of this blessed grace of fear as its antidote. Be not high-minded, saith he, but fear, Romans 11, verse 20. Pride, spiritual pride, which is here set forth by the word high-minded, is a sin of a very high and damnable nature. It was the sin of the fallen angels, and is that which causeth men to fall into the same condemnation. Lest, being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Pride, I say, it damns a professor with the damnation of devils, with the damnation of hell, and therefore it is a deadly, deadly sin. Now against this deadly sin is set the grace of humility, that comely garment, for so the apostle calls it, saying, Be clothed with humility, 
But the question is now, how we should attain to and live in this exercise or the exercise of this blessed and comely grace, to which the Apostle answers, fear. Be afraid with godly fear, and thence will flow humility. Be not high-minded, but fear. That is, fear, or be continually afraid and jealous of yourselves and of your own naughty hearts. Also, fear lest at some time or other the devil, your adversary, should have advantage of you. Fear, lest by forgetting what you are by nature, you also forget the need that you have of continual pardon, support, and supplies from the Spirit of Grace, and so grow proud of your own abilities or of what you have received of God, and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Fear, and that will make you little in your own eyes, keep you humble, put you upon crying to God for protection, and upon lying at his foot for mercy. That will also make you have low thoughts of your own parts, your own doings, and cause you to prefer your brother before yourself. And so you will walk in humiliation, and be continually under the teachings of God, and under his conduct in your way. The humble God will teach. The meek will he guide in judgment. The meek will he teach his way. From this grace of fear then flows this excellent and comely thing, humility. Yea, it is also maintained by this fear. Fear takes off a man from trusting to himself. It puts a man upon trying of all things. It puts a man upon desiring counsel and help from heaven. It makes a man ready and willing to hear instruction, and makes a man walk lowly, softly, and so securely in the way. Eleventh. There flows from this grace of fear hope in the mercy of God. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 147, verse 11. The latter part of the text is an explanation of the former. As if the psalmist had said, They be the men that fear the Lord, even they that hope in his mercy. For true fear produceth hope in God's mercy. And it is further manifest thus. Fear, true fear of God, inclineth the heart to a serious inquiry after that way of salvation which God himself hath prescribed. Now the way that God hath appointed by the which the sinner is to obtain the salvation of his soul, is his mercy as so and so set forth in the word, and godly fear hath special regard to the word. To this way, therefore, the sinner with this godly fear submits his soul, rolls himself upon it, and so is delivered from that death into which others, for want of this fear of God, do headlong fall. It is, as I also hinted before, the nature of godly fear to be very much putting the soul upon the inquiry which is, and which is not, the thing approved of God, and accordingly to embrace it or shun it. Now I say, this fear, having put the soul upon a strict and serious inquiry after the way of salvation, at last it finds it to be by the mercy of God in Christ. Therefore this fear putteth the soul upon hoping also in him for eternal life and blessedness, by which hope he doth not only secure his soul, but becomes a portion of God's delight. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, 
in them that hope in his mercy. Besides, this godly fear carrieth, carrieth in itself evidence that the state of the sinner is happy because possessed with this happy grace. Therefore, as John saith, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren, 1 John 3.14. So here, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in them that hope in his mercy. If I fear God, and if my fearing of him is a thing in which he taketh such pleasure, then may I boldly venture to roll myself for eternal life into the bosom of his mercy, which is Christ. This fear also produceth hope. If therefore, poor sinner, thou knowest thyself to be one that is possessed with the fear of God, suffer thyself to be persuaded, therefore, to hope in the mercy of God for salvation. For the Lord takes pleasure in thee, and it delights him to see the hope in his mercy. Twelfth, there floweth from this godly fear of God an honest and conscientious use of all those means which God hath ordained, that we should be conversant in for our attaining salvation. Faith and hope in God's mercy is that which secureth our justification and hope. And as you have heard, they do flow from this fear. But now, besides faith and hope, there is a course of life in those things in which God hath ordained us to have our conversation, without which there is no internal, uh, eternal life. Ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. And again, without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Not that faith and hope are deficient, if they be right, but they are both of them counterfeit when not attended with the reverent use of all the means, upon the reverent use of which the soul is put by this grace of fear. Wherefore, beloved, said Paul, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in mine absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Romans 6, verse 22, Hebrews 12, 14, Philippians 2, verse 11. There is a faith and hope of mercy that may deceive a man, though the faith of God's elect and the hope that purifies the heart never will because they are alone and not attended with those companions that accompany salvation. Hebrews 6, verses 3 through 8. But now this godly fear carries in its bowels not only a moving of the soul to faith and hope in God's mercy, but an earnest provocation to the holy and reverent use of all the means that God has ordained for a man to have his conversation in, in order to his eternal salvation. Work out your salvation with fear. Not that work is meritorious or such that can purchase eternal life, for eternal life is obtained by hope in God's mercy. But this hope, if it be right, is attended with this godly fear, which fear putteth the soul upon a diligent use of all those means that may tend to the strengthening of hope, and so to the making of us holy in all manner of conversation, that we may be meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. For hope purifieth the heart, if fear of God shall be its companion, and so maketh the man a vessel of mercy prepared unto glory. Paul bids Timothy to fly, to fly pride, covetousness, doting about questions and the like, and to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, to fight the good fight of faith, and to lay hold on eternal life. 1 Timothy verse 6. 
So Peter bids that we add to our faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, adding, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter one verses five through eleven. The sum of all which is that which was mentioned before, to wit, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For none of these things can be conscientiously done, but by and with the help of this blessed grace of fear. 13. There flows from this fear, this godly fear, a great delight in the holy commands of God, that is, a delight to be comfortable unto them, or conformable unto them. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalm 112, verse 1. This confirms that which was said before, to wit, that this fear provokes to a holy and reverent use of the means. For that cannot be when there is not an holy, yea, a great delight in the commandments. Wherefore this fear maketh the sinner to abhor that which is sin, because that is contrary to the object of his delight. A man cannot delight himself at the same time in things directly opposite to one another, as sin and the holy commandment is. Therefore Christ saith of the servant, Ye cannot love God and mammon. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. If he cleaves to the one, he must hate and despise the other. There cannot at the same time be service to both, because that themselves are at enmity one with the other. So is sin in the commandment. Therefore, if a man delighteth himself in the commandment, he hates that which is opposite, which is sin. How much more when he greatly delights in the commandment? Now, this holy fear of God, it takes the heart and affections from sin and sets them upon the holy commandment. Therefore, such a man is rightly esteemed blessed. For no profession makes a man blessed, but that which is accompanied with an alienation of the heart from sin, nor does anything do that when this holy fear is wanting. It is from this fear, then, that love to and delight in the holy commandment floweth, and so by that the sinner is kept from those falls and dangers of miscarrying that the other professors are so subject to. He greatly delights in the commandment. 14. Lastly, there floweth from the fear of God enlargement of heart. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Isaiah 60, verse 5. Thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Enlarged to Godward, enlarged to his ways, enlarged to his holy people, enlarged in love after the salvation of others. Indeed, when this fear of God is wanting, Though the profession be never so famous, the heart is shut up and straightened, and nothing is done in that princely free spirit which is called the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 51 verse 12, Isaiah 11 verse 2. But with grudging, 
legally or with desire of vainglory. This enlargedness of heart is wanting, for that flows from the Spirit of the Lord. Thus I have showed you both what the Spirit of God is, what it flows from, and also what doth flow from it. I come now to show you some of the privileges of them that thus do fear the Lord. Having thus briefly handled in particular thus far the Spirit of God, I shall now show you certain of the excellent privileges of them that fear the Lord. Not that they are not privileges that have already been mentioned. For what greater privileges than to have the Spirit producing in the soul such excellent things so necessary for us for good, both with reference to this world, or reference to this world, and that which is to come. But because those fourteen above named do rather flow from this grace of fear where it is than from our promise to the person that has it. Therefore, I have chosen rather to discourse of them as the fruits and effects of fear than otherwise. Now, besides all these, there is entailed by promise to the man that has this fear many other blessed privileges, the which I shall now, in a brief way, lay open unto you. Privilege number one, then. That man that fears the Lord has a grant and a license to trust in the Lord with an affirmation that he is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Psalm 115 verse 11. Now what a privilege is this? An exhortation in general to sinners, as sinners, to trust in him is a privilege great and glorious. But for a man to be singled out from his neighbors... For a man to be spoken to from heaven, as it were by name, and to be told that God hath given him a license, a special and peculiar grant to trust in him, this is abundantly more, and yet this is the grant that God hath given that man. He hath, I say, a license to do it, a license indicted by the Holy Ghost, and left upon record for those to be born that shall fear the Lord, to trust in him. And not only so, but as the text affirmeth, he is their help and their shield, their help under all their weakness and infirmities, and a shield to defend them against all the assaults of the devil in this world. So then, the man that feareth the Lord is licensed to make the Lord his stay and God of his salvation, the succor and deliverer of his soul. He will defend him because his fear is in his heart. O ye servants of the Lord, ye that fear him, live in the comfort of this. Boldly make use of it when you are in the straits, and put your trust under the shadow of his wings, for indeed he would have you do so, because you do fear the Lord. Privilege number two. God hath also proclaimed concerning the man that feareth the Lord, that he will also be his teacher and guide in the way that he shall choose, and hath moreover promised concerning such, that their soul shall dwell at ease. What man is he that feareth the Lord, says David? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Psalm 25, verse 12. Now, to be taught of God, what like it? Yea, what like to be taught in the way that thou shalt choose? Thou hast chosen the way to life, God's way. But perhaps thy ignorance about it is so great 
and those that tempt thee to turn aside, so many and so subtle, that they seem to outwit thee and confound thee with their guile. Well, but the Lord, whom thou fearest, will not leave thee to, to thy ignorance, nor yet to thine enemy's power or subtlety, but will take it upon himself to be thy teacher and thy guide, and that in the way that thou hast chosen. Hear then, and behold thy privilege, O thou that fearest the Lord, and whoever wonders, turns aside, and swerveth from the way of salvation, whoever is benighted, and lost in the midst of darkness, thou shalt find the way to the heaven, and the glory that thou hast chosen. Further, he doth not only say that he will teach them the way, for that must of necessity be supplied, but he says also that he will teach such in it. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. This argueth that, as thou shalt know, so the way shall be made by the communion that thou shalt have with God therein, sweet and pleasant to thee. For this text promiseth unto the man that feareth the Lord the presence, company, and discovery of the mind of God, while he is going in the way that he hath chosen. It is said of the good scribe that he is instructed unto, as well as into, the way of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, verse 52. Instructed unto, that is, he has the heart and mind of God still discovered to him in the way that he has chosen, even all the way from this world to that which is to come, even until he shall come to the very gate and door of heaven. What the disciples said was to the effect of the presence of Christ, to wit, that their hearts did burn within him, within them, while he talked to them by the way, shall be also fulfilled in thee. He will meet with thee in the way, talk with thee in the way. He will teach thee in the way that thou shalt choose. Luke 24, verse 32. Privilege number three. Dost thou fear the Lord? He will open his secret unto thee, even that which he hath hid and keeps close from all the world, to wit, the secret of his covenant and of thy concern therein. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Psalm 25, verse 14. This, then, further confirms what was said but just above. His secret shall be with them, and his covenant shall be showed unto them. His secret, to wit, that which hath kept, or that which hath been kept hid from ages and generations, that which he manifests only to the saints, or holy ones, that is, his Christ. For he that is hid, or he, for he it is that is hid in God, and that no man can know, but he to whom the Father shall reveal him. Matthew 11, verse 27. But, oh, what is there wrapped up in this Christ, this secret of God? Why, all treasures of life, of heaven and happiness. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2. This also is that hidden one that is so full of the grace, or that is so full of grace to save sinners, and so full of truth and faithfulness to keep promise and covenant with them, that their eyes must needs convey, even by every glance that they make upon his person, offices, and relation such affecting ravishments to the heart, that it would please them that see him 
even to be killed with that sight. The secret of the Lord shall be, nay is, with them that fear him, for he dwelleth in their heart by faith. And he will show them his covenant, that is, the covenant that is confirmed of God in Christ, that everlasting and eternal covenant, and show him too that he himself is wrapped up therein, as in a bundle of life with the Lord his God. These are the thoughts, purposes, and promises of God to them that fear him. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan Hard Drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.